Hi and welcome to Realty Talk, one of the shows on the Property Hub, distributed by DM Media. And you'll find us on all podcast players and through the Southern Cross Stereo Network. Realty Talk is Australia's longest running property podcast with over a decade of presenting property investment insights, inspirational stories and unbiased advice from Australia's top property experts, leaders and analysts. Well, we're sad to say that the housing and rental crisis is still a hot topic with, from what we can see, very few worthwhile solutions being offered by our lawmakers. Now, the current problems haven't just happened overnight. They've been caused by a lack of consistent and sustainable housing supply, which has been worsening year on year. Well, there's a possible solution that we want to explore this week. It's called Build to Rent. Built to Rent is well established in the UK and in the United States and is sometimes referred to as multi-family housing. Nearly a third of Australian households are now renting and rental vacancies are at their lowest level ever. And the pending arrival of a combined 700,000 new migrants this year and next, most needing rental accommodation, well, the situation is going to get worse before it gets better. To get a better understanding of what build to rent is and what it means, Bushy is joined by Dr. Dia Swati, who's the chief economist at PRD Real Estate. She leads a nationwide research team providing high quality market research, as you'll see in this exclusive Realty Talk interview. Before we get to that, if you like the show, make sure you hit the subscribe button and help us to continue to bring you the very best guests. We'll be back in just a moment as Bushy kicks off this week's show. Property depreciation is the natural wear and tear of a building and its assets. Property investors can claim depreciation as a tax deduction each financial year. Depreciation is a non-cash deduction. This means you don't need to spend any money in order to claim it. On average, BMT tax depreciation find residential investors almost $9,000 in first full financial year deductions. Call BMT on 1300 728 726 today for an obligation free quote. Realty Talk and your host, Bushy Martin. Welcome to Realty Talk, Dr. Assey. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Yes, I really appreciate you coming on the on the show. Uh, I've been doing a lot of reading around the subject in recent times and your name keeps popping up. So clearly you've been <laughs> doing some pretty active work in that area. But uh, to kick things off, uh, Dr. Asti, in very simple terms, what is Build to Rent? So Build to Rent is a commercial residential development and it is known throughout the world as an alternative way to increase rental supply. Um, any the supply can be houses, which is also known as family built to rent, or as you've mentioned, the multiple dwelling um, scenario, or it can be units and apartments, which can also be named uh, or called stacked apartment in different parts of the world. Now, basically, in very simple terms, is that a developer builds residential stock with the purpose of renting it out and not selling the property itself, which is completely different to your standard, normal, sort of like residential commercial project developments where the builder's purpose is to build as much as possible, as quickly and as less cost as possible, and make that quicker profit by selling the property. 
makes complete sense. So it's uh, that's a real cash flow play is what I'm hearing. So uh, break down for us, uh, how does uh, build to rent actually work then? So the way that it works um, in Australia, most of the build to rents are units and apartments in nature. So if you kind of think of like those big tall buildings um, in the major capital cities or in the fringes, anywhere from 100 to 400 apartments, it really depends on the developer or the builder and they all contribute to the rental market. The way that it works is you have a joint venture usually between a builder or a developer. Um, some builders and developers are one and some are builder or developer, yeah. as well as um, some sort of multi-fund or a superannuation fund that is kind of like your capital backing kind of thing. So combined, um, they will build a building um, filled with all of these wonderful units um, currently in Australia. And the purpose of it is that renters can then apply to become long-term tenants. And normally the, and I'll say the people, because sometimes it can be the builder or the developer, um, they are the property managers as well. So they are the property managers on site and you've got renters that can apply for long-term tenancy depending on the BTR, it can be anywhere from two to five to 10 years. So, you know, it's one of those develop development that is very much so a one-stop shop in the sense that if you go into a BTR, it's not just units. Normally it provides that community type experience. So depending on the BTR, and I've seen BTRs that are um, in inverted commas basic because it kind of looks the same as your standard sort of like units and apartments but then I've also seen BTR that are quite swish you know the ones with like a rooftop for hangout areas um, cinema shared working space even a puppy washing facility um, even ones that has like a Tesla card charging stations that you can then book on an hourly or a two hourly slots, electric scooter rentals, um, you know, basically trying to minimize that transport costs because um, there aren't, well, sometimes there is a lot of the times there aren't even parking available in a built rent. Okay. So it is very different. And in a fairly broad spectrum by, by the sounds of things. So uh, I wonder if you can perhaps uh, share with us some examples uh, of where else in the world uh, that built to rent or BTR has been utilised effectively and why? Well, there's quite a lot of examples. Um, the father in inverted commerce of BTR is definitely the UK and the US. Um, although if you do go to the UK and the US models, it's quite different to ours. So if you think of it from a Lego houses perspective, when someone in the UK and the US says that they're going to put on 200 BTRs, for example, what they mean is 200 small or mini houses that might share um, you know, the, the divider, that share a wall. So it kind of looks like Lego houses, like in a row or in a circle kind of thing. Oh. So some of the really, really good examples, um, there's the 55510 in New York. That was developed by Xtel, and that's luxury rental units. Um, you've got John Lewis in the UK. That's anywhere between studio flats to four-bedroom houses. Um, and one that I like is called the Tower, and I might say this incorrectly, the 
the tower Yokohama Kitanaka. <laughs> oh, that sounds like somewhere in Japan. Right? Yeah, that sounds good, yes. right? Yeah, um, <laughs> that's a high-end BTR development in Yokohama that was developed by the Mitsubishi Estate Residence. Um, you've got Invitation Homes and American Homes, um, and they are the two of the largest single-family rental companies in the U.S. Um, you've got Sigma Capital, and that's also in the U.K. Again, they're also houses, typically a bit more larger. And another favorite of mine, and I like this one because not many people will think of it, is The Fizz, which is located all the way in Frankfurt. And that's developed by International Campus AG. And again, it's also another high-service, high-amenity BTR model. Interesting. Well, what I'm finding interesting about what I'm hearing here is that I had in my head that we're talking units and apartments and high-rise buildings, but that... Clearly, the model equally can apply to a broad range of different uh, housing types, which is is quite exciting, I think. Now, uh, uh, you've covered some of this already, but uh, how else does it differ from the more traditional property development model in Australia then? Um, Well, the main difference is the purpose, right? So that is the main difference. Um, It... Because of that purpose, then it becomes different on who is the target market, because obviously you're not building to sell, you're building to rent. And so you're targeting a completely different demographic because you're targeting people who are renting and not homeowners or first home buyers, right? And so because that's different, it also means then as a developer, you have to sometimes uh, put up or kind of absorb the costs because you can't use the first home buyer um, incentives or, you know, I think there was quite a lot when the first home buyer incentives came out, a lot of developers did the whole like we'll match the 25 grand thing, um, which of course you can't use in a BTR because you're not targeting first home buyers, you're not targeting owner occupiers, right? So because that objective is different, then everything is different. So build to rent is much more longer term because you're talking of rental markets that is anywhere between two to 15 years. So yep. you're holding the stock for a much longer period, whereas build to sell, well, depending on your build time, once it's built, then you want to sell everything off. And a lot of the time you've already sold about 70 to 80% of it in the pre-sale because that's what you need to have the project green lighted. So all of this objective has a massive effect on how the property is designed, what amenities are included, how is it funded, how is it managed. And just from that basic sort of, um, you know, purpose, it really does differentiate build to sell and build to rent. Yes, that that basic principle upon which you're designing, which is rather than sell, you're looking to hold, I can imagine... Uh, and let's face it, there's a whole heap of depreciation benefits that will be associated with that, which would would in some ways incentivize uh, the developers to uh, put in higher spec uh, so that uh, one of the tracks better tenants, but also uh, improves the cash flow from the depreciation benefits that flow through. Uh, and you're, clearly, uh, you're also attracting a much different type of person with a different outlook, which means that, as you say, the design solutions need to reflect that to, to make them both initially attractive, but but also ongoing. So now that's awesome. So uh, uh, now again, you've, you've touched on some of this already, but uh, can you just reinforce who the key players and beneficiaries of BTR are? 
So there's quite a large pool of people. Um, and when I say people, I mean companies, obviously, um, who are playing in the space. Uh, sometimes a BTR can be owned by one company. So for example, some of the Mervac developments, the Fraser's property, Heinz, um, they're normally single, singularly owned, but then it can also be owned by several partnerships. So that can be either um, a few developers getting together and pooling their resources to minimize the risk, or it can be a builder slash developer and some funding options. And normally that funding options is a wealth strategist or a fund management or a superannuation fund. So anyone in the BTR space would have heard of Graystar. And Braystar is one of the largest funds to date in the local Australian market. Um, it combines three institutional investors joining to raise about 1.3 billion um, in a vehicle known as the Graystar Australia Multifamily Venture Fund. Oh, that was quite a mouthful. You did that well, though. <laughs> <laughs> And, and they really do want to um, expand in Australia and they do have their sites on a lot of um, Sydney and Melbourne sort of areas. Um, you also have other partnerships like Grocon, GIC, um, UBS, all of them also targeting Melbourne and Sydney. Um, you have some smaller but still well-known names in the partnership like Blackstone, Morgan Stanley, Investor, Australia Industry Superannuation Fund, Vellum Fund Management, Sentimental Real Estate Corporation, Meriton. So there's quite a lot of people right now that is definitely playing in that BTR space. Mm, and, and from what I'm hearing there, they're, they're big players with deep pockets too, is, is what I'm hearing, uh, which probably means that the size and scale of these developments uh, is likely to have a fair bit of horsepower. Uh, you've covered off on the developers already. Uh, in terms of the ultimate ownership, then, is it it's those players uh, developing that are holding it ongoing, or how does the uh, ownership side of the BTR property work? So depending on how many people put in into the pool of resources, um, it really differs. So if it's one company, then it is owned by that one company. So good example is the pilot BTR that is in Queensland, one by Mervac, one by Fraser's. Then they're the ones who build it. The ownership lies with them. They're the property managers as well. But then in other BTRs where there's been, you know, one or two builders or developers and then maybe two superannuation funds or another wealth management fund, a lot of the time the ownership is shared between the four um, and one of them is appointed as a property manager, normally one of the builders or one of the developers. So it can vary from BTR to BTR, but basically it's a model where um, put bluntly, the risk is with you and the reward is also with you. Yeah, yeah, which makes perfect sense. So uh, if you're going to take the risk, then why wouldn't you uh, enjoy the reward? So that's awesome. Look, uh, thanks for those initial thoughts. Asi. We're now going to take a short break. So stay with us because when we return, Dr. Assi is going to walk us through the pros and cons of BTR for all related parties, along with the benefits and opportunities that BTR 
is likely to create. Property deductions can save you thousands of dollars each year. To make sure you maximise deductions, you need to work with the most experienced quantity surveyor in the country. BMT Tax Depreciation is the leading specialist in the industry. They've completed over 700,000 tax deduction schedules for residential investment and commercial properties Australia-wide. BMT guarantee to find double your fee in the first full financial year deductions. Call BMT on 1300 728 726 today for an obligation-free quote. Subscribe now to Realty Talk. It's out every week. Now that we understand more about what built-to-rent means and how it works, the Chief Economist of PRD Real Estate, Dr Asti Matiasmo, is going to dig into the detail. So, Dr Asti, let's kick off by outlining what are the key pros and cons of BTR for investors, tenants and other related parties. So I'll start off with investors first. So in terms of the benefits to BTR, um, it is low risk in the sense that you have that guaranteed rental income for you know however many units or houses that you do have. Um, you know whether it's a guaranteed income for two, five, or ten years that depends on the BTR, but you have that guaranteed income. Um, so there is that low risk. Um, that's number one. The second one is that it diversifies your portfolio. So if beforehand you are a build-to-sell developer, now adding on a build-to-rent diversifies your portfolio. So in a way, yes, it does increase your risk because that means you're doing two projects instead of one, but it does also mean that you diversify your portfolio. And if at any time, um, any of those, so for example, the build-to-sell isn't working because the property market has gone down, um, I won't say the words crash because that can be scary. Um, Particularly from an economist, Dr. Ashley, that's exactly right. <laughs> um, so if at any time the build to sell sector um, has a decline or a softening in prices, you still have that steady income from the build to rent, right? So you diversify your portfolio. It is another alternative exit strategy for investors. It provides another one because you can still sell your BTR. There isn't a law that says that once a BTR, it must be a BTR forever. So, you know, you might say, look, our strategy is that it is a BTR for five years, but then the renters um, have the option to buy it out after five years or however many years, right? So there is that alternative exit strategy. And of course, if you are lucky to have a lot of capital, then it means you can deploy those capital in different types of investments. So from an investor perspective, that's your benefits. Um, In terms of the cons for investor is that a BTR is expensive. Um, You know, you're not just building it to sell. Um, You have to really think about what amenities is your people are going to need because the one thing about a BTR is that it really is promoting and relying on this community feel. Yes. It's relying on the, this is a one-stop shop. So, you know, you have to really think outside the box. I mean, you know, a lot of build-to-sell developers won't be thinking about having a Tesla car charging space where the Tesla can be booked every two hours. You know, yeah, so or or the dog wash that you mentioned earlier. Exactly, or the dog washing, or having like a co a co shared working space or a yoga space, right? 
And so that means you do need a bigger piece of land. You need to really design your BTR and all of that costs money. So there is that higher cost, which in a way does relate to higher risk as well. Um, so that's the pros and cons for an investor. Um, for a tenant, some of the benefits, especially at the moment with this current rental crisis, is the security. So once you are in a BTR, unless you violate all of the laws and the, uh, you know, kind of everything in that BTR, you pretty much have your rental property for X amount of years. You're reliant upon the mum and dad investor who we know at the moment is tapping out of the market because of the cash rate increases. And so, um, you know, you're not prone to, for example, in Queensland, quite a lot of tenants were actually kicked out when the government tried to bring in the rental caps. So, you know, you have that security, right? Because you, your property manager is, say, Murbach, as opposed to you and I, um, you know? So you, there is that security. Um, there is flexibility as well. Like I said, you, there is the option to purchase to purchase at the end of your tenancy, although that can be a long time. Um, higher quality accommodation. And uh, I don't know if you've been to a lot of BTRs, but when I go to BTRs, I think that I'm in a five-star hotel because they are very swish, very polished. It has that concierge sort of feeling. And of course, greater amenities. Um, and, you know, you can save on some costs like for example your transport cost your elect uh, not electricity sorry but your fuel cost um all of those kind of things because it is in the one place yeah I, and the other thing I'm, I'm hearing here dr asti is that there's obviously more community engagement and a longer longer term view both by the building owners and the tenants and therefore uh, that, that level of connection is likely to improve as a result of the whole BTR framework, which which sounds awesome. Uh, so that's great. So uh, on the flip side, then, Doctor Asti, uh, are there any anyone who stands to lose from BTRs? Um, I would say it not really in the sense of those who are involved in the BTR directly, um, just because it does target a completely different market, right? I mean, there are some sales agents who might say, oh, you know, that could have been another 400 units that I could have sold or another 200 units that I could have sold. Um, but at the end of the day, it, this is not the purpose of BTR. That is the purpose of a build to sell. Um, and some mum and dads might say, you know, um, oh, that means that there's less renters, like, you know, who's going to rent my property, so to speak. But in hindsight, it's not really a loss to the mum and dad investors because BTRs are normally located in the CBD and fringe areas. They're not usually located in the suburbs. Um, Australian BTR are mostly units and apartments. And so if you're a house investor, then you've still got an upper hand in the stock. And also um, BTRs are normally quite expensive too in the sense of the rental is normally about 10% above the median rent of that particular area. So, you know, the mum and dad investors still has a place. It does not displace mum and dad investors um, for the points that I've said above. Um, so, yeah, it, it doesn't really 
directly negatively impact anyone as such. Um, but of course, there's always pros and cons to a particular development. Yeah, of course. No, that's awesome. Now, you've touched on this again already, but I'd like to like to dive a little bit deeper uh, into the actual demographics of BTR tenants. Can you sort of uh, share with us some thoughts around that? Um, well, do you know what, though? Very funnily, the first time that I heard about BTR, I thought that maybe I could actually go into a BTR because I thought, oh my goodness, wouldn't it be so great that if, you know, I just have to go up three levels and then I can access the cinema, go down four levels, I can have yoga, you know, all of those sorts of things. Like I thought, oh, maybe me. Um, but then, you know, I then thought about, oh, okay, how am I going to fit two dogs and a cat and three kids inside a BTR as well? <laughs> so, you know, it does it does target a certain type of demographic to a certain extent, especially the BTRs that are currently here in Australia, because it is just units and apartments right now. If we talk about BTR in a wider sense that includes, you know, the houses, the three bedroom, four bedrooms that you can find in other countries, then yes, you have a wider range of demographics. But here in Australia, it is definitely more so that under 35 years old, um, you know, your young professionals working in the CBD or the CBD fringe, um, double income, no kids, especially if they're not requiring the standard family space, like they don't want a backyard and multiple rooms, that kind of thing. Yep. Um, downsizes as well. So the empty nesters, so the people who are like saying, no, nope, that's it. I've had enough of the five bedroom house where I have to look after the massive lawn. Um, that's also the um, demographic. And this is more like a mindset kind of thing, but it is also, I think it's important to mention because BTR is a long-term rent situation. So it is more because of the rise of the long-term renter mindset where you have this new generation of like, I don't really feel like I need to own a house or own my property because there's taxes that come with it. There's council rates. I can't just call someone if my you know tap is leaking, you know, all of these sorts of things. I'd, I'd rather travel than you know try and pay off a massive mortgage. And so there is also room for that demographic of, of my different mindset, um, that long-term renter sort of mindset. Yeah, I, I, I'm just listening to you and thinking about it as we go through, uh, because you know my first thought was it's going to uh, appeal to the the dinks as you as you quite well mentioned that don't want a mortgage, they're upwardly mobile, double incomes. But as you say, that the downsizing in for those that are asset rich but cash poor selling the family home, parking some funds that they can invest that creates a, an income stream and then not not locking it up into bricks and mortar and just paying effectively a, a rental and a long-term exercise in an engaging community that is that is uh, very low maintenance and easy to lock the door and, and jump on a plane. I think it's got a big appeal to those, those sort of boomers that are coming through that are looking for that CBD uh, city activity so there's there's plenty of scope as far as that goes so uh, thanks for sharing that um now uh, the obvious big question given the, all of the the talk around the housing crises around the country at the moment uh, can you sort of uh, expand on your thoughts on how btr contributes to improving housing supply affordability and and the obvious rental crisis 
I love this particular question because it can be debated over hours and hours and hours between, you know, different people, right? Yep. Um, the short and sweet answer to that is that it does and it doesn't. Um, it does to a certain, <laughs> like I'm being very politically correct here, <laughs> but it does and it doesn't at the same time, you know? Um, it does in the sense that, you know, at the end of the day, you app, you've added on a hundred or, you know, anywhere between a hundred to 400 rental units, right? So that is um, by definition, that is housing supply. Yeah? yeah. So it does assist from that perspective. But of course, as always, that's a technicality. Um, it does contribute to rental supply, but then it doesn't because it is only appealing to a certain demographic of people, yes. um, like the ones that we've just mentioned, and also income level, because most BTRs are way more expensive. Um, you know, that was another thing that I thought of when I thought, oh, maybe I could go into a BTR. And then, you know, it's at least 10 to 15% higher than the median rent of the area. Yep. And that is normally your standard BTR. If you wanted the puppy washing facility that I spoke about, you have to kind of either choose an a la carte option or the premium BTR. So it's like a premium on a premium, you know? Yes. Um, so it really has that almost that discriminatory sort of sense to it on level of income. Um, so it does add to housing supply. Um, from a numbers perspective, um, there's limitations on its effectiveness on a demographic and income sort of sense. Yeah. And so does it help rental supply? Yes, but not fully. Um, I'd say it assists about 10 to 15% of rental stress and rental crisis. Yeah. So it's a helping hand, but um, I don't believe that it is the golden goose that everyone kind of points it out to be yeah that's that's a, a very good point and uh, I think the other thing that needs to be considered with this uh, given it's in the early stages is the, is the timing of the completion of these BTRs in the context of the housing need and it's it, that's always been Australia's problem is it it's adjusting well it's not even a just-in-time solution it's a, a just out-of-time solution generally in Australia because we relied so heavily on the private sector for housing supply, which means that people are only going to build it if it's profitable and, and they'll wait for the demand to ex exceed supply before they actually pull the trigger. So, uh, and, and I don't think it's going to solve that issue given the size of the developments we're talking about are going to take uh, a long time to actually uh, be, be key ready uh, in mm. that sense. So, uh, but uh, tell me, uh, given the very different model uh, and the fact that government uh, have been pricking their ears up over it at, at all levels, federal, state and, and local for that matter. Can you sort of run us through the sorts of government incentives for BTR, if any, on a federal and state basis in particular? Look, I will admit that we have come quite some way when it comes to our legislation and also any incentives in the BTR space compared to 12 months ago, because I really started looking into the BTR space around 2020. Um, and back then, there is definitely a less agile government, even knowledge in terms of BTR, what they are, how they work, what other things are needed, right? 
Yeah. So back in 2021, um, Management Investment Trust or MITs, which basically allows offshore funds to be pulled from multiple sources to purchase that asset in Australia. So the incoming producing asset, such as BTR, they have an investor or a foreign investor tax rate, I should say, of 30%. Right. And from um, and we've there has been a win um, in the BTR space, which kind of then further paints it as the golden goose because from the 1st of July 2024 the withholding tax rate for eligible fund payments from the MITs um, will go down from 30% to 15 okay. so you know half mm. of the tax right so that is definitely quite significant especially because of that foreign investment component and the ability to pool money to create a BTR, because as you've just mentioned, you know, construction costs, the cost of design, everything in relation to the BTR is quite expensive. So having that more attractive and friendlier foreign policy is definitely going to help the BTR sector. That was that was a win for those of us who are in the BTR sector. Yes. Um, land tax scheme is another issue for BTR. New South Wales and Victoria. Victoria has a 50% land tax discount for new BTR projects. However, that's only in New South Wales and Victoria. So in Queensland, it's on what they call a gratia sort of scale. Um, it's almost basically saying it's on a case-by-case -case basis. Um, there is incentives in Queensland if you are targeting the affordable housing sector. Um, if you are committing to at least 25% of your BTR, so if you have, you know, 400 units, then at least 100 of them are categorized as affordable, which means that you're okay with putting those, uh, those rent at a much lower level than the other um, rentals in the BTR. So the Queensland government is very much so welcoming of that. There is um, tax incentives. There's also some dropped infrastructure charges, things like that, if you are willing to play in that affordable space. Um, so, yeah, so there has been some uh, improvements in terms of legislation, incentives, et cetera. But then again, um, I, I, whenever I talk to my friends who are about to create or in the design process of a BTR, the commentary on the ground is that the approval process is still very slow for BTRs. Um, it's kind of difficult and slow to get that planning process to also get the flexibility that is needed in a BTR to get certainty in BTR as well is quite difficult from a lot of different councils and state governments. Um, mostly it is in Queensland that we are seeing or hearing these sticky points. Um, Victoria and Melbourne is definitely known as the most friendliest capital or the most friendliest state when it comes to BTR, followed by Sydney. Um, and there's still some of those issues in Queensland. Yes, okay. So an evolving space uh, as the familiarity and knowledge of this grows uh, uh, across the community, I guess, in that sense. Yes. Uh, so uh, listening to what you've been saying, uh, is BTR purely for high-end big dollar developers and investors like super funds and real estate investment funds? And or what is the BTR opportunity, if any, for mum and dad investors to get involved? 
Well, this is the, I feel like I'm such a bad news bearer on this particular question. I was quite upbeat before. Um, <laughs> um, in terms of the opportunities for mom and dad investors, it's very small in the BTR space right now. And that's purely because of how BTRs have been created. Um, you know, the opportunities within it, it's usually built to sell developers looking to diversify their income. Um, and it is usually uh, created by a pool of, you know, managed super funds, um, wealth management people, builders and developers who's been in the game for years and years and years. And so because of how it has been um, designed, I suppose, um, the space for mom and dad investors is very, very small. At the moment, I don't know of any BTRs in Australia where you do have mom and dad investors playing in it. And the reason for that is because when you talk about mom and dad investors, it's a very different financial situation to a developer or a big super fund, right? Um, there is that household financial level decision as well in terms of cost and living and what's happening to the mum and dad. Um, there's all sorts of different legalities. So, for example, if the mum and dad decide to separate or divorce, then, you know, we haven't covered that in the BTR space and how that might impact any kind of investment. Um, and so because of that and the purpose of the BTR is to reduce the turbulence in the rental market, um, it has been kept within that institutional level. Makes sense. And I, I guess there'll be a lot of institutional investors that are uh, getting their fingers burnt or potentially will from uh, the, the issues that are being suffered in the office building sector where traditionally a lot of those players have been involved. So I can see this as a, a, as a good transition for them and therefore particularly with the super funds being able to plough uh, monies into uh, developments with with good strong income streams uh, and potentially better yields as a as a consequence of that uh, what about fractional investment opportunities for mum and dads you know that, that we've seen a, a little bit of growth in fractional investment uh, in similar types of uh, uh, building developments in the past do you think this will uh, flow across into BTRs um, at the moment, we're not seeing a big uptick on this yet. Um, the only way that I know of of some of um, you know mum and dad investors who's been able to play in the BTR space is if they do self manage their super fund, yes. um, and they might actually you know appoint that most of their super funds do go to property and do go to X Y Z projects. Yes. Um, so you know, and that's not exactly the traditional way that mum and dads do property investment in Australia. Um, so, you know, there is a little bit of that happening, but it's not a commonality yet where it is, you know, uh, an investment potential for mum and dads. Yeah, no, that's all good, but, uh, but a growing space. So I've really appreciated everything you've downloaded. Any final thoughts on Australia's ongoing BTR opportunity then, Dr. Asti? Um, a few thoughts. Uh, the first one is that uh, BTR at the moment is being, you know, kind of coined the term. It's either a silver bullet or a golden goose, whichever way that you'd like to go um, with the terminology. There is a lot of talk, a lot of chatter about it. Um, I think I've, hi I've highlighted some of the pros and cons around BTR. Um, those involved in BTR are pretty much facing the same challenges as those in the build to rent. Uh, sorry, in the build to sell, I mean, 
um, yeah. in terms of increasing cost, labor shortages, planning processes, all of that is happening in the BTR space as well. And then so even though there are some forward thinking when it comes to, you know, less foreign investment tax or more incentives, you know, things like that, there are still some sticky points in the build to rent space um, that will see it, you know, it doesn't come as quickly as we thought that it will come. Um, so that's the first one. The second one is that there are still some limitations to BTR in the sense that I know, for example, I'm not ready yet to spend my life in an apartment for the rest of my life. Um, and that's the current situation in Australia is that most of our BTR are units and apartments. And so, you know, most Australians are still preferring to do the house, picket fence, yard, dog situation. I feel like I'm picking on the dogs, but anyway. I love um, dogs. I'm right with you there. <laughs> and so there is still that whole sort of how do I fit like the Australian lifestyle, so to speak, in the current BTR um, offering. I think it'll be completely different if we're talking about the family BTR, which is your smaller houses, and it does have some sort of a yard. Um, so that will be different. And of course, the income as well for BTR can be limiting because even looking at the Queensland pilot projects, for example, even with a 25% discount, um, the kind of the rules around that is that the it's usually 25% lower than the rental income for those earning less than 90K. And, you know, the family income, uh, average income in Australia is less than 90k so even though it's called affordable um it's affordable with like quotation marks as opposed to true affordability um so there are still some issues there but the good news is that we are seeing some opportunities outside of the capital cities so for example there are some btr projects that are being designed in liverpool penrith and wally creek all of those that are outside of that main sydney cbd area um, so there is more talk about that um, in regional, in Newcastle, in Tamworth, even in Whit Sundays as well, up in Queensland, there is some talk about BTR. And so the spread of it is starting to become, um, you know, more outside of the CBD fringe. So there is some exciting opportunities there, but um, both from an opportunity sort of like growing out, but then also opportunity from a different types of BTR that we can explore. Yeah, so it does require a bit of a paradigm shift uh, for a lot of Australians to to move from ownership to to the renting exercise. I I've been a rent vester a lot of, a lot of my life at odd times because I like that flexibility. So that would be uh, I'd be quite open to it. But a lot of Aussies would really struggle to to jump over that mental hurdle uh, to go down that road. But uh, it's happening. It's an opportunity when there's times like these. This is when the, these sorts of opportunities come to the fore. And uh, I really want to thank you for your very awesome overview on the full spectrum of details and opportunities associated with the growing build to rent approach, Dr. Asti. Thank you so much for having me. Successful property investment is a game of finance. Do you have the right team and the right game plan? Realty Talk is brought to you by Know How Property. More than mortgage brokers, Bushy Martin and his team of investment architects set you up with a sustainable strategy structured to lower your costs, 
tax, risk and stress while increasing your capacity for growth. KnowHow has helped over 1,900 homeowners and investors secure more than $800 million in property wealth. So get set to live more, work less and live your legacy. Want to know how to invest in your freedom? Visit knowhowproperty.com.au. This is Realty Talk, powered by realty.com.au. And that brings us to the end of this week's show. A big thanks to our special guest, to Dr. Diaswati, who is the Chief Economist at PRD Real Estate, and of course, Bushy Martin. Before we go, make sure you don't miss a single episode of Realty Talk or Bushy's Get Invested podcast delivered to you each week by subscribing to the Property Hub now on your favourite podcast player or wherever you're listening to or watching this show. Thanks to our supporters, realty.com.au, BMT Tax Depreciation, Know How Property Finance and Apiro Marketing for their ongoing support. I'm Kevin Turner on behalf of Bushy Martin and the Property Hub team. We look forward to seeing you again next week. 